Hi, everyone. Hello, my friend. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to springtime, almost springtime. It's great to be back with another episode of Love Someone. I have an incredible guest today, and I know you're going to be super touched, impressed with him. It's screenwriter-director Lee Isaac Chung. The media world has been buzzing about this gentleman. He wrote and directed the semi-autobiographical film Minari that was based on his life, his upbringing in rural Arkansas in the 1980s after his family immigrated from South Korea. I watched a special screening of the movie with my older girls even before it was released in February because that's one of the great perks of doing what I do on the radio. And we were all touched by it. It was one of those films that leave you thinking about the movie, thinking about the characters, thinking about the scenery, thinking about the connections within the family for days. I am excited to be able to spend time with Isaac talking about his work. This is a special privilege, and I'm looking forward to sharing his story with you. We're going to do that just as soon as I tell you a little story about the sponsor that makes this podcast possible. Our podcast sponsor today is The Home Depot. They have been a part of my radio program and now this podcast for a very long moment. My favorite part of their store is, of course, the garden department. Have I spent a little money in there over the years? Yeah, a little. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love the garden department. I love the Home Depot and they have a new way for you to stay connected to them and the things you need for your home. And it's right on your phone. They've made their app super friendly and very easy to use. Download it for free and just for fun, take a picture of something in your house and let the app tell you how you might upgrade that item and all the options available to you. That's just one of a hundred ways they're making life convenient for you. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hi, Delilah. Hello, Lee Isaac Chung. Welcome to Love Someone with Delilah. I'm so excited to get to talk to you because I got to actually see your film a couple of months ago. They sent me a screener to watch it. And I watched it with my teenage girls, and we didn't stop talking about it for days. So that's that's a good sign when you got teenage girls, 12, 16, and 16, asking questions and engaging in meaningful conversation. And there was no point in the movie that I felt like I had to say, close your eyes, close your eyes, plug your ears. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that pleases me to no end. When people are watching this together with family, especially young people, that's just Yeah, wonderful to hear from me. It was a sweet movie, and there's all these funny connections. My kids and I moved down to my husband's cattle ranch when COVID hit. We were living in a community, not a big community, but a community before we left, and then we moved out in the boondocks on a 500-acre cattle ranch, and I think they all sort of had the same response to that move as the children, the characters in your movie Minari had when the dad drove them out to their new home, their glorious new home in the middle of nowhere in Arkansas. 
Yeah, it, it's a shock to the senses to be kind of placed in a whole other world, I feel. Uh, for us, my dad didn't really tell us that he was going to do that. So that's, that was an added shock for all of us. I know it's sort of autobiographical. Did he really load you guys up in a station wagon in California and just head east to Arkansas? Well, I kind of dramatized that a bit to heighten it because we were just coming from around the Little Rock area of Arkansas and uh, we loaded up in a moving truck and my dad said he had found this place and we showed up and um, it was basically outside of the city limits of the town of about 1,200 people and all we could see are tall grass and we couldn't see our neighbors and um, yeah, and, and he said this is home. So that part was true. And was the character that played the mother in the movie, was that truly your mother's reaction? Was she like, no way in hell are you dragging us out here. We're going back to the city. You know, I I heard a lot of conversations that my mom had that were along those lines. But as a kid, it never really dawned on me till later how difficult that must have been for her. Like, I... I really had to get married myself and understand you know, the uh, relationships and how you know decisions should be made and all these different things. Um, and just looking back, I kind of have a better understanding of why she she was feeling that that way uh, when I was a kid. I loved showing up there on that farm and uh, seeing a house on wheels. I thought that was the coolest thing. My family, my mother's side of the family, are all from Missouri and Arkansas. No kidding. They were farmers there. My grandparents migrated from being farmers in Arkansas to working in the forest in Oregon. So after World War II, my grandpa packed up my grandma and my mom and my grandma's sister and her family and moved them to the Oregon coast to work in the timber industry. But they had been farmers not that far from where your movie was set, so kind of felt like uh, a family connection there. Oh, that that's so neat to hear. I, I think if farming was starting to get kind of difficult around the time that we moved over there, I, I wonder if that's what drove your family to head out west. My grandpa was in the military and he was stationed on the west coast and he fell in love with the Douglas firs and the sequoias and so when the war was over, he went and packed up his family. And kind of like the characters in your movie, he's just like, OK, we're going west. And Grandma had no clue where they were going, how they were going to support themselves. Um, but they headed west and they made it work. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's amazing. I, I, I kind of feel like this film, it has immigrants from Asia in it. But I, I genuinely feel like this is really a story about Americans with this this is something that happens to families all over, you know, this, that sort of feeling of departure, moving, and ultimately families trying to stay together. One of my best friends, Kim, is from Korea, and she was so excited when we started talking about the movie because she is intimately familiar with most of the actresses and actors in the movie. And she said the woman that plays the grandma is quite famous in Korea. She said she is a dynamic woman that everybody respects because she doesn't take any guff. Is this true? Yeah, I'll, I'll put it this way. When uh, some people in Korea found out that we were working with Yunya Jong, they, they sent a message over to our production team to please be careful with her because she's our national treasure. That's the words Kim used. She said she is a national treasure. 
when I told her I got to speak with you, she said, oh, please tell her how much we love her. We love her. We love her. Like, uh, you know, like the kind of reverence you would give a Mother Teresa or something. She was just so thrilled that I got to talk to you because you're connected with her. Yeah. You know, what's so interesting about her is, is it's not just her acting, which is incredible. It's, it's her whole personal narrative. She kind of started back her career in her 40s uh, as a single mom because she just wanted to support her kids. And that the, the way in which she, she worked so hard and she sacrificed for her kids and she got into acting and took whatever role she could get, um, she ended up kind of symbolizing the spirit of a lot of these, these mothers who are doing so much work in Korea. Um, so she's really a hero uh, for lots of people. And according to my Kimmy, she also has done wonderful humanitarian things for people, especially moms who are downtrodden. So she just really applauds her. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything, all the thought and all the love that went into your movie. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. And I got to thank Yun Yeo Jung uh, for, for being in this film, to be honest. And the little boy that plays you. Yeah, that, that boy was a miracle find for us. Uh, he'd never acted before. We, we kind of had about three weeks to find that guy. And uh, we had this casting agent who was hanging out in front of Korean schools and churches and handing out flyers. And, and finally, we, we stumbled upon this kid from a casting call we put out in San Francisco. Um, and he was just seven years old when we did this film. Um, he's a lot cuter than I am, I gotta, I gotta say. Oh my gosh, he's adorable. And <laughs> oh, my, he played it so authentically. Like you forgot within two seconds of watching the movie that you were watching a movie. Yeah, he, he kept us all honest. I, even uh, Stephen Young, who plays the dad, he, he would tell me, I can't lie in front of this kid. I have to be completely honest because this kid will call me on it. Um, because he just stays in his role. He he stays true to being that kid. Um, it was so fun to work with him every day on set. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy to use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Bring along the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies to add a sprinkle of joy to your workday. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. 
With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. So I have a farm. Farming is damned hard work. How did your family make it? How did they how did they survive? Because it's really hard work. And when you have to decide between, you know, water for your household or water for your plants. Yeah. You know, farmers are my favorite people. I, I just feel like um, they're doing such incredible work. They're feeding people and they're business people. They, they've got to be intelligent. They're scientists. Uh, and they're completely down to earth. Um, we've been there. We we had that struggle with farming uh, for a number of years when I was a kid. Um, and my dad transitioned into doing herbal medicine. And that's ultimately what we had to do to financially make it because farming itself proved to just be be too difficult. I think we had a hard time in the 80s with it. I think a lot of these smaller farms were going away at that time. Uh, but to anyone who's like still out there farming, um, I mean, hats off. Hats off. No kidding. We're doing it. But we like I said, we don't depend upon it. We do it uh, more as a hobby. Now, tell me about Minari. Where can I get some Minari seeds? Kimmy says it is delicious. I went on online. I can't find any Minari seeds in America and I've got a creek bed to plant them on. I don't know. I got to get you in touch with my dad then. Somehow he he grew all the Minari in our our film. So he he actually grew all the Minari that you see. Um, I don't know where you got the seeds for that, but uh, you can come to L.A. even and, and find it in the supermarkets. But, yeah, that's that's a good question. I don't know where to actually get it. You could go to Korea as well. I could invite you over there. I would love that. Kimmy goes every two years. Her brother still lives there. Uh, she has two brothers, actually, that live there. So she goes every two years and spends a couple of months, and she comes back with the most amazing red peppers for kimchi. We eat we eat kimchi every day. She makes me kohlrabi kimchi and pickle kimchi. And today we went and picked wild greens because we love to pick gosari. And so today she made kimchi out of last year's vegetables like broccoli and stuff that overwintered in the garden. So we went and picked all the leaves. And today she made kimchi out of that for me. <laughs> but she said there's no place to get minari here uh, where we live. Yeah, it is kind of a specialty item. Um, it's even I have trouble finding it here. I'll be I'll be completely honest with you. When I was a kid, I didn't like eating it. It's, it's the name of the film, but uh, I I always felt like it would taste very strong. But uh, but nowadays it's kind of like almost like cilantro or uh, a, a bit of a more spicy, sharp flavor that you add to different dishes, and it, it tastes really good. So for for my listeners who might be thinking about renting the movie, finding the movie, uh, tell them why it's called Minari and the significance of that plant and how it all kind of ties it together because it's so beautiful. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, it's, it's honestly very personal. Um, my grandma, when she came from Korea... Uh, she basically came with the sole purpose of just watching me and my sister because my parents both had to work and we had a farm and my grandma decided she's going to plant this 
seed uh, down by the creek bed where nothing really grows. And um, that was Minari. And uh, I just remember always going there with her and she would tend to it and pick it while uh, I would sing songs and throw rocks at snakes. And that's something that you see in the film. And when the farm was ultimately struggling, we still found that what my grandma planted down there was the only thing that really took root and thrived. And I felt like it symbolized a lot of who she was as a woman. Um, the plant itself, you plant it in places where the soil is dirty and it'll clean up the soil. And if, it, if the water's dirty around it, it, it's known for purifying the water too. And that's just kind of the presence I felt she had in our lives. Um, so as, as I was writing this film, I just felt like it's, it's got to end with that image of that, that boy and his dad uh, picking Minari together. Because um, in my heart, that's kind of the way I want to be living life, if that makes any sense. I love that. As a seed collector and a plant collector and somebody who, every time I go to somebody's house, I'm like, can I have a start of that? Can I have some of those seeds? I was so touched when the grandma brought the seeds from her homeland and just the relationship that developed between between you, the little boy that is you, and your grandma Silly, funny, beautiful, just beautiful. I appreciate that. I I just felt like I, I wanted to... Something that's been so special is that people are really talking about her and this role of Yoon Yajong. And uh, I, I kind of wanted to make visible somebody who was largely invisible when she was with us. Um, so I, I've just been so pleased that she's being remembered in some way. Well, I love Minari. I hope, well, I haven't tasted the actual Minari, but your film, Minari. How do you say it? How's the proper pronunciation? Um, you know, if you say Minari, that's a lot of people on set say that, and that's, that's great. And Minari is Korean. We say Minari. Almost the R is almost like a D. Minari. Yeah. Okay, Minari. Yeah. Your dad's got to get me some of the seeds, and I want all of our listeners, especially... It seems so appropriate right now as we're going through these challenges with COVID, as we're trying to adjust to a new normal, whatever the hell that is. And this film, like I said, I watched it with my girls and it just, it resonated with us for so many different reasons. When we first, when COVID first hit, I took my in-laws who are actually my outlaws because they're my ex-husband's parents, but I care for them. We took them with us, and there were nine of us in a 1,200-square-foot house for six months because they're elderly, and most of my children are medically fragile, so I wanted to get them away from you know a populated area where they would be safer and we wouldn't have to be paranoid all the time. And I saw the same sort of beautiful relationships developing between my children and Hilda and Miguel, who are immigrants from Costa Rica, And that same sort of generational, you know, the obstacles, because we live in such different worlds, but the way that our family gelled during that time was such a precious gift from God. And I think that's why it resonated with the girls and I so much. That's so wonderful to hear. I I was hearing this uh, person commenting on what's happening with COVID that in some ways, we're in a new land. All of us, we're in a new place together. We're, we're sojourning. And, and in that way, I feel like that's the immigrant story. And we're all living out that story where we're 
with our families and trying to navigate this new place. Um, so, yeah, bless you in that. It, it's so great to hear that the story resonated with you. Well, thank you for Minati. I encourage everyone to watch it, especially if you've got sons and daughters still at home, teenagers, young people. It's a beautiful, beautiful movie. And I promise you, you will talk about it for days to come like we did. Appreciate that. And I want some of that kimchi that your friend Kimmy is making. That sounds really good. Oh, my gosh. Yesterday for breakfast, I had a little bit of rice, two eggs with the yolk nice and runny, and three kinds of kimchi in my bowl, almost like babimpop, but just kimchi. Kimchi, kimchi, kimchi. I was in heaven. It's so good. It's a true friend, yeah. All right. You have a great day. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Delilah. It's so great talking with you. All right. God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless you. As I mentioned When I was introducing my wonderful guest today, the writer and director of the semi-autobiographical movie, Minari, I was able to preview it with a special screening link some weeks back, a couple of months ago. The girls and I, my teenage girls and I, fell in love with it. And we obviously weren't the only ones because it just won a Golden Globe Award. I don't know the criteria needed for such an honor, but I can tell you why we loved it. As I mentioned just now in my conversation with Isaac, when coronavirus restrictions were first enacted early last year, my family and I relocated to a really rural area. We took off and we went to my husband's organic beef ranch. We had to find our footing. And finding our way, especially for my kids, has been really, really challenging. That was an experience that was very relatable to the Yi family, the family pictured in the movie, who moved from California to a farming community in Arkansas to try to make a better life for themselves. I also found myself musing over the hardships the Yi family faced as farmers in the Ozarks and wondering what the similarities and differences between their experiences and my ancestors who farmed there for generations before my grandparents migrated to the Pacific Northwest in the 1950s, what the similarities might have been. We talked about having to choose between water for personal use, like cooking or drinking or bathing or water for crop irrigation, because there wasn't enough water for both. That, for example, is probably something they might have had in common. Feeling like outsiders in a tight-knit old-timers community is something they would not have had in common. But what we really loved about the film, we loved the incredibly rich and nuanced relationships between the characters between the husband and the wife, between the sister and the brother, especially between the grandchild and grandmother. That, for me, that was my favorite part of the movie. The way they illustrated the tensions, the tenderness, the tenacity, the complexity of love and the power it has over our lives. The casting in this movie, absolutely brilliant. I normally don't ever quote or even read from promotional statements that I've been sent, but the one for Minari is so spot on, I'm making an exception. It reads, Minari is a film that touches the heart in so many places. The film has its fair share of adversity, 
but its message throughout remains to always bear in mind the importance of family, love, humility, and staying optimistic when times are rough. As Philippians 4, 6 tells us, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. I couldn't have said it better myself. Minati is in select theaters now and available on demand everywhere. You don't want to miss it. And you don't want to miss any of my podcasts either. Join me next time on Love Someone with Delilah.